And if you think about it on the reverse, if we had, like, you know those fail videos online that you see? If we ever had an Academy Awards for our biggest regrets and things like that, I'm sure that someone would say, you know, I just could not have done this without so-and-so, without that friend, you know? that They were there with me through it all. And I couldn't have done it without them. Not to put blame on someone else for our mistakes, but they were there with us, right? And we found that there's kind of this relationship between the people that we've met, folks that we've met, and our greatest regrets, right? Like you can think back on some of your greatest regret, and there's usually people that were along there with you. They were by your side, and they were usually friends, right? Not really your enemies. They might have been there too, but there was usually a friend there with you. And in most cases, they were good friends, close friends. So today, we're going to kind of talk about friends. But before we get started, we are uh, in our week two of this series called Guardrails. And Jim talked about guardrails last week, and he defined them for us, that they are a system, okay? It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas, Okay, so you gotta, you got to imagine this. If you drove here this morning, I'm assuming you saw a guardrail or two on your way here, right? You passed by them. You probably didn't pay any attention to them unless you were here last week, and then you started thinking about these things called guardrails. And Jim taught us two things, that they're designed to direct us and protect us. So they kind of, they're along the side of the road, and they kind of are with us as we go, and they kind of direct us to keep going on the road, that, heading to where we're hoping to be. But they also protect us from going into those bad areas where, you know, you head onto a bridge, there's a guardrail there, because they want to keep you from going over the bridge. Or if there's a big ditch, there's usually a guardrail there that keeps you from heading into a ditch. And the logic behind this kind of makes sense, right? It, it, it makes sense that we have these, uh, these guardrails in place. And we got this cool graphic here that, that Jim made up where you have the safety zone over here. It's in green. It's nice. You know, everyone loves green. It's comfortable. And then you have this guardrail here on the middle. And then it's, notice it's still in the green, right? It's still in the green. He did a good, look at the shadow he even put on that. And so the, the guardrail, it's right on the safety zone. It's still, so if you hit it, you're still kind of safe. You might ding up your car. Now, can we go to the next slide? This is the slide that I made. Now, Jim is a little bit more gifted when it comes to design. I may... Come on, you know the song. You were all thinking it when you saw Danger Zone up there. All right, got the music. <laughs> that was well planned. Um, so, but you have this Danger Zone over here, and I can't go back to the other side. I can't even look at this. And so... <laughs> So you have this guardrail. It's on the safety zone. It's designed to put you there to keep you from going too far, okay? If you hit a, a guardrail in your car, you might scrape it up. You might, you know, scrape the paint or whatever. But you, at least you're not going down into the ditch, right? Like, you might need to go to the body shop, but at least you're not going to the hospital because they're designed not to control us, to force us a certain way, but they're designed to minimize the damage, and as Jim talked last week, that you know, many of our greatest regrets, whether it be financial, whether it be in our marriage, whether it be morally or relational or professionally, if we had some guardrails in place, then they might have kept us from going into the dangerous zone. Okay. But then we learned that, that culture doesn't really celebrate guardrails, right? Like when we talk about guardrails, maybe with coworkers or friends, and you talk about some safeguards that you're putting into your life, they're, they're not really celebrated, right? Culture doesn't celebrate guardrails the way that we do. And they think they call us kind of prudes, right? Or you're so old-fashioned. That's, 
You're like, that's really lame that you can't do that. And, and so they don't celebrate them because they're kind of content with painted lines, right? Like they know where you shouldn't go and it's cool just to know that it's over there. But they don't want guardrails in place. But the thing is, they might, they might diss us or, or as I learned this new phrase this week, they might throw shade on the fact that we have. That's what the kids say these days. But they, they might diss us for having these guardrails in place. But they're also the same people that are quick to jump on us when we end up in a ditch, right? when you end up in a ditch financially, and they kind of poke fun, like, how did you even get there? Like, why did you do that? Why would you let yourself get to that point? But then on the flip side, they, they don't uh, celebrate guardrails. So today we're going to talk specifically about our friends, about friendships, okay? And so I do want to throw out a couple of cautions before we get to that, is, is this, is that if you're a parent here today, you're probably going to start thinking about this in the mind of, of a parent, that you're going to start thinking about your kids and who they hang out with. But I do want to throw caution to that, that this is not for your kids, okay? They will benefit from this, but this is also for you. This is for every person in here today, because it's the folks that we've met that are often part of our greatest regret, and that can go on throughout life, okay? The second thing I, d- I wanted to highlight is your tendency when we start to talk about friends is you get a little, like, you might get some angst inside you, right? Like, oh, Brian, you're being judgmental, right? Like, you're just kind of being judgmental. Those are my friends. You can't say that about them. And But I want to caution that, that today's not a message about judgmental. It's not a message about that, okay? If this is your first time in church in a while, you're probably sitting there thinking, oh, great, here's the judgment. Where's the offering bucket, right? They're going to start talking about judgment and money, right? But I want to caution you that that's, that's not our goal this morning. That's not it at all, because there's a difference. See, judgmental is when I draw a critical or a harsh conclusion about you, and I expect you to act or behave differently, okay? That's being judgmental of someone, where you, you, you have this critical um, kind of view of them, and you expect them to be different than they are. But having good judgment draws conclusions about ourselves based upon wisdom, on our past or present experiences, our current situations. That's having good judgment. It's using wisdom about where you're at and where you're heading. Judgmental assumes something about the other person, but good judgment is being wise about the situation that you're in. So there's a big, big difference. It's being honest with yourself, okay, knowing who you are, who God created you to be. And it might mean telling somebody, a professional maybe, or, or a friend that I'm just not emotionally mature enough to do business with you, or I'm just maybe not ready or emotionally, uh, you know, mature enough to be friends with that person, okay? You, you think about it this way. Every person here, you were a kid at some age, right? I hope so. You weren't just born as an adult. That would be weird, but we were all kids, and your parents, they were just fanatical about who you spent time with, right? They were paranoid, right? Every time you went somewhere, your mom said, where are you going, and who are you going with? Where are you going and who are you going with? Who's going to be there, right? Who else is going to be there? Okay, now who really is going to be there? They wanted to know where you were at all times, but not just where you were, but who you were with. And they might have taken it to the next stage where they said, you know, I just don't want you hanging out with that person. That's the wrong crowd. And maybe they, they got you to, to switch schools, right? They had your classroom switched, or maybe they moved across town, or, or they kind of took those steps to try to make sure that you weren't hanging out with people that they didn't think you should be hanging out with, right? Like your parents were, and you just scream, you're like, you're so judgmental, that's my friends, right? But they're like, no, I'm having good judgment. I want to make sure that you're putting yourself 
in good situations, okay? But then this weird thing happened. As a kid, you kind of grew up, and then one morning you looked in the mirror, and then boom, you're like, holy smokes, I'm a parent. I have kids, right? And then you fought, you, you're driving down the road, and you catch yourself saying that phrase that your dad said. You know, he's in the back, you're like, do not make me turn this car around, right? You say that, and you're like, wow, like I just became my dad, right? Overnight, it's like you became your parent, and not only were you paranoid, but you were paranoider than they were, right? Because you, you know what you were like as a kid. But then as parents, we have these awesome little devices called cell phones, and you have a personal surveillance system, right? In the palm of your hands. As soon as you hear about a kid from school, what do you do? You're like, oh, what's their, what's their last name? What's their mom's name? And you look them up, right? You look them up on Facebook. Don't look at me like you don't do it, because you all do it. You look up your friends on Facebook, your kids' friends, your, friends, your kids' friends' parents, right? Because you want to know. And you know where they went to college, you know where they're from, what are their likes, what music are they into. And you can tell all of these things just from looking them up. And we all do it, right? And you keep tabs on your kid, right? You check their Instagram account. You check the Instagram account that they don't know that you know they have, right? You check them all. And then you check their friends' Instagram accounts and their Snapchats and all that stuff because you want to know where are they going and who are they with? Where are they going and who are they with? And it's not because you're being judgmental. It's just you're a little nosy, right? It's not that you're being judgmental. It's just you have a little bit of judgment because God has placed these people in your life and you want to set them up to be successful. Because, and, and this is why, because you knew now, you know now what your mom knew then or your dad knew then or your grandmother, whoever raised you, you know now what they knew then. And that is that our friends determine the direction and the quality of our lives. Think about that. That's a pretty big statement. Our friends determine the quality, the direction and the quality of our lives. The things that make friendships so wonderful and so great, the thing that you love about having close friends can also make them very dangerous if you think about it. That might sound a little weird, but we tend to what with our friends? Like when you're around your friends, you tend to relax, right? You breathe a little easy. You let your guard down maybe, right? If you think about kind of your past, you know, maybe some bad habits you picked up, no one ever smokes their first cigarette alone, right? It's usually in a group with some other friends or, or your best friend kind of is doing it. So you're like, I got to try that. That's why they created the D.A.R.E. program back in the day, right? It's because there's this thing called peer pressure where when we do those things that we kind of later might regret, even if they're small things, there's usually a friend there along with you. And that's what makes friendships so awesome and so amazing, but also kind of dangerous. There's this uh, um, a neuroscientist who, I don't really even know what that means, but they're a scientist, they're smart, that's all I can take from it. But this person named uh, Moran Cerf, even the name is tricky to, to pronounce, but in this man, he's a, he's a neuroscientist at Northwestern University, okay? So he does all these crazy scientific experiments, and he does all this studying, and he studies the relationships between people, and he just, uh, studies decision-making, okay? And then he studies the impact or the relationship between relationships and decision-making, okay? So over 10 years, he's done all this studying, and what he's determined is this, is that people, when they're together, when you're with people, your brain waves actually begin to align, like they physically begin to align. That's scary, Right? You're probably thinking, why did I sit next to this person? 
right? Because your brain waves right now, as I'm talking, it's vibrating through the air, and your brain waves are kind of aligning with each other, okay? And if you hang out with people, it's not that you're going to just do everything that they do, but your brains start to align, and that's kind of that's creepy, right? That's a little weird. And he said this in an article. He said, the more we study engagement, right, interaction with each other, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. Just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. He goes on. He says this, that if people want to maximize happiness, who wants to do that? Who wants, if your hand's not raised, you're lying. Everyone wants to be happy, right? If you want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, another thing, would love to do that, right? This is what you need to do, okay? So he says, if you want to do that, here's how you do it. They should build a life that requires fewer decisions, right? That sounds weird. Like, you want, that sounds kind of controlling. But it, you design a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer, the traits that they prefer, okay? So if you want to have this sort of life or a happy life, it says, you know, put yourself in positions with people that are doing what you hope to do in life, what you hope to do. And then it goes on, it says, over time, they'll naturally pick up those desirable attitudes and behaviors. Over time, they'll pick up those desirable attitudes and behaviors because your minds begin to align. If you put yourself in situations with good people, with fun people, you're going to have good time. You're going to be fun people. If you put yourself in uh, positions where people are heading somewhere, they're motivating you, right? Then you're going to be motivated. You're going to put yourself in good uh, situations and you're going to pick up those attitudes and those behaviors are going to begin to align with you. But the same is on the flip side of that, as you can pick up bad attitudes and bad behaviors. Have you ever had that friend that's just negative about everything? And then you find yourself just kind of over time, you're like, yeah, you know, you're right. I, I'm not into that. Or, I, you know, I don't think that's cool anymore. Or, or you start to develop these negative attitudes that you don't even know where they came from, besides the people that you place around you. Because our future is impacted by the people that we put around us, by the people that we do life with, okay? So it took this guy, uh, Moran Cerf, like 10 years or so to put this study together, right? And this was just maybe, he probably started this 10 or 15 or 10 or 12 years ago, around when he started this, okay? But even before that, this man named so uh, Solomon, right? He was the third king of Israel. If you've heard of Solomon, right? If you've heard of the book of Proverbs in the Bible, has anyone heard of that? No? A few people. If you've never read the Bible today, I encourage you, check out the book of Proverbs, okay? It's full of just like neat little sayings that just make sense. You read it and you're like, that's practical. I like that. That makes sense. And they're just little life lessons that he piled up. And there's like 30 chapters, which is good for one chapter a day, right? And so you can read this over and over and it's filled with all kinds of wisdom. And he knew this long before you know, man started breaking into people's heads and figuring out all this stuff. He said this in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. It's so simple, right? Walk with the wise and you become wise. Walk with the wise, become wise. It doesn't say walk with the wise, study them, mimic them, do everything you can, answer this question and that question. It just says walk with them, just be with them. Wisdom is contagious, right? It's contagious. 
Do you remember, like, I feel like when I was young and someone had the chicken pox and they were out forever, you know, and they're just a little itchy, you want to go up to them and you're like rubbing your arms, like, give me the chicken pox. Then we can hang out together because you're not sick, you're just itchy, right? It's contagious. It's like wisdom. You, you want that, right? And you can catch it just by walking with people, just by being with people, surrounding yourself with people. It rubs off. Do life with wise people and you will be wise. And then it says four. Okay, it goes on. It says, walk with the wise and become wise for, but in some translations it says, but, okay, but, which means, oh great, here's the other foot's going to drop, right? But a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. And what's interesting about this is that it doesn't say, you know, walk with wise, become wise, walk with fools, become a fool, right? That would just kind of be real easy if it just said that. And you'd expect it to say that, but it doesn't. It says a companion of fools suffers harm. See, Solomon's not saying, you know, just when you're with fools, you're going to become a fool, right? He's not saying that it's that easy. It's worse than that. It's worse than just becoming a fool. He says that you're going to suffer harm. It's a proximity issue, right? Just being near, you know, fools it, you, become, uh, you can become collateral damage, right? Because they're doing foolish things, and when they go, you go. What they get into, you get into. You become collateral damage. And Solomon says you don't need to worry so much about becoming a fool as much as you need to worry about becoming collateral damage in their lifestyle. Because the one that makes you know, kind of you nervous, those people that you get around, and then you're, you're just worried they're going to do something, and then the backlash that's going to come on to you, it's you get caught up in the shrapnel of their bad decisions. Okay? I don't know about you, but do you have one of those friends? I had this friend. Um, he's, he's no longer with us now, but I had this friend. He's about, uh, he hit 100 pounds, I think, when he was in his mid-20s. Okay? Skinny, skinny kid. Um, a lot of health issues, but he was a great guy. So he stood, t- stood about this tall, okay? And his arms were about this big around, but his mouth was as big as this room, okay? So this guy, he's one of my best friend, dearest friends. But wherever you went, he's kind of that wild card, right? That wild card friend that you know if you, you go to a club or you go to a, a bar or a restaurant or whatever, or you're at a concert and you're with a lot of people, you're just a little worried, like, what's he going to say, right? Because people are going to come in and they're going to say, I'm not going to fight that kid because he looks tiny. I'm going to fight his friends that are with him, right? And so you're kind of nervous about the decisions that this friend makes because you know that they're not going to suffer harm. You are. Or even if they do fight them, they're probably going to take on everybody and you just kind of go down with the ship, right? You've seen it before in movies and stuff like that. And so just being with someone, even if you don't mimic their behavior, you can get caught up in the collateral damage, the shrapnel of the decisions that they make, right? Because here's the thing. Friends who aren't careful with their lives, they're not going to be careful with yours. It just makes sense. Friends who aren't careful with their health, they're not going to be careful with your health. Friends who, uh, they don't value their marriage, they're not going to value yours. Your money, your reputation. If they don't have faith or they don't believe the same things that you believe, they're not going to value your beliefs. Because friends who don't take care of themselves, they're not going to take care of yourself. Think about that. Friends who lie and cheat, they feel better about themselves when you lie and cheat, don't they? They like that. Friends who are irresponsible with their finances, they're not going to help you be responsible for yours. They're going to egg you on. They're going to say, hey, just, it's another 50 bucks. Just go for it. Friends who don't take care of their marriages, 
they're not going to take care of yours. If they don't care about the way they treat their spouse, they're not going to help you treat your spouse better. They're not going to care how you treat your spouse. Friends who cheat will always feel better if you cheat with them, right? Friends who break the law, they're not going to confront you about breaking the law. It's all these things. You become collateral damage because friendships can be dangerous, but we don't think about them that way, do we? We think about friends and they're sacred and they're fun and, and my friend's a nut, but you know what? He's my friend, so I just kind of roll with it, right? Our friends can be so dangerous. And when we come into dangerous situations, that's when we require some guardrails. We all need to establish guardrails in our lives, different situations, and specifically today with friends to make informed decisions, to inform our conscience. Okay, if you buy a new vehicle, I don't have a new vehicle, but I see them on TV all the time, and you, uh, you look at them, and they come out with all these crazy safety features, right? Like now when you're driving on the highway, if someone's coming up to pass you, a little light flickers says someone's coming, right? Or you depart from your lane, and things start buzzing and flaring off because they want you to be safe, right? They put these guardrails in place to protect you from physical harm, but then the culture, they kind of make fun of us when we put them in our life to, to protect us financially or morally. But there's certain things that we should put in our life that when they start going off and those lights start going off in our conscience before we veer into the danger zone, right, that we should be aware of these things. So we're going to give you five kind of guardrails, um, relational guardrails that we feel are important to put in place. And you don't have to do these. You can make up your own. Um, these are not like set in stone. They're not, you know, part of the Ten Commandments or anything like that. But we feel that they would be valuable to put in place and that these things should light up your conscience, okay? Here's the first one. When it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, that's when you should start having some red flags. You haven't done anything wrong. Nothing's wrong with this. But this should start making you think, like, is the direction that this kind of group is going in, like, the direction that I really want to be heading in my life? If not, then you should have, you know, your conscience should be kind of start blinking at you. What about this one? When you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. Do you sit in church on Sunday, and then Monday, you're out with your friends, and, and you find yourself nodding, yes, but in your head you're saying, no, I don't believe that. That's even hard to say and, and nod your head, but do you find yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are? That should light up your conscience because you're lying at that point, right? And you're not a good friend if you're not being who you really are, so what's the point of that friendship if you're just lying to them and you're lying to yourself? What's the point of that? The next one, when you feel pressure to compromise, when you feel pressure, not when you've already done it, but when you feel pressure to compromise, when maybe that temptation that's kind of always been there suddenly becomes a live option, you should start being worried. Things should start going off in your head. When things that were a temptation become a live option, we should have some guardrails in place. Or what about this? When you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate, right? I'll go, but I won't participate. This one's pretty easy. If you wouldn't buy this from like your 14-year-old daughter, then you probably shouldn't be living it yourself, right? Like if she says, I'm just going to a pool party. There's like, you know, 14 guys going to be there and me and my girl, Susie, we're going to go to the pool party. It's fine, Dad. They're going to be drinking. It's going to be cool, but I'm not going to participate. I'm just going, 
right? You're going to give her two options probably. You're going to say, you're either not going or there'll be 15 dudes there and I'm one of them, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the two decisions that you have because you know that just because you go and I'm not going to participate, right? But there's that, that thing where just because you don't participate doesn't mean that there's not bad things that can happen. You might be collateral damage in that because you're putting yourself in risky situations. Or the last one is this. When you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. That's a big one. When you hope the people that you care about don't know about your whereabouts. Think of it this way. If you're somewhere... Even if you're not doing anything wrong, even if you're just there for one reason or another, but in the back of your mind, you're kind of hoping that your wife doesn't pick up the phone and check find my friends and see you on the little map somewhere, that should be a red flag for you. Even if you've done nothing wrong, even if you've not been unfaithful, even if you've done nothing to embarrass yourself or your family, but you just hope that no one really knows where you are, that should light up your conscience. That should say, you know what? I think I'm kind of heading in a direction that I don't want to be going. And this might sound kind of, kind of narrow-minded or, or judgmental. You might say, Brian, like, come on. Like, I can go to a restaurant that serves alcohol, and I know that it's going to be fine. And that's cool. And you can go there, and you can have a beer, and everything could be totally fine, right? That's, that's, that's totally fine. That's not what I'm getting at today. I'm not trying to give you a list of rules to live your life by. I'm just giving you some tools to say... Maybe there's certain situations that I'm just not quite ready to be placed in. And here's the thing. It's because tomorrow morning, people in this room, okay, a few of us in this room maybe, or hundreds in our community or thousands in our state or tens of thousands of people will wake up tomorrow morning. They're going to stumble into the bathroom and they're going to start brushing their teeth and they're just going to look and they're just going to say, how did this happen? How did I get here? What, what? Where, where did I go wrong? Whose life is this? Right? Like, how did I let myself get from A to Z? I, I don't even understand. But if you've not put anything in place to kind of direct and protect you, that's where you might end up. And just like when we were kids, our friends, they still determine the direction and the quality of our life. They still do. Jesus, he had something to add to this. We can't, you know, call it a day without checking in with Jesus and seeing what he has to say about this. But if you know much about Jesus and his life and his ministry, he was constantly followed by people who just counter-argued everything that he said. He would say the sky is blue, and they would say, well, no, it's kind of light blue, right? Or he would say, this is water, and say, oh, that's kind of a misty water. It's not really water. And they just refuted everything that he would say and try to argue with him about everything, okay? But then it, I like to think, and I obviously didn't see Jesus say this. I just read it on a page. But I'm assuming that Jesus was kind of like this. He's explaining something. And then in verse 7 of, of, the, of the book of Luke, in uh, chapter 7, rather, in verse 35, Jesus just says this. He's like, you know what? Wisdom is proved right by all her children. Okay? And this isn't like the, you've probably never even heard this phrase before. Probably most of us have never read this phrase this verse before. It's not one of those ones about, you know, Jesus' top 10 favorite verses, but it's one of those ones that it should be. And it just says, wisdom's proved right by all her children. It's proved right. In other words, he's saying, you know what? Time will tell. Time will tell. The proof, it's in the pudding, right? Time will tell. That's the thing about wisdom that's kind of weird is that with wisdom, you can come up with all these different arguments, and we could even go down through that list of five guardrails that we kind of 
we kind of threw out there, and you could give me a perfectly valid argument for why that's not right for you. And that's totally fine. That's the thing about wisdom is there's so many different avenues that you can head down and you could still make it, right? You could still survive. You're not, just because you don't put one of those five guardrails doesn't mean you're going off over the edge and, and, and failing and doing all of that. But it helps us to kind of head in the right direction. And as I look at my life, I can actually pinpoint specific relationships in my life where I can look back and say, you know what, I made it here because of that person, because of that relationship that I had with that person. I can look back on other areas of my life and I can think, you know, that's kind of where I started to go a little wrong. It's that group of friends that I was with that I started finding myself in these weird situations and, and groups of people that I was just like, how did I even get here? Why, why do I say I believe this stuff? And it's not until, you know, back then my parents intervened and they pulled me out of it as I screamed, you're so judgmental and that's terrible, you know, and all of those things. But then as a parent, I can look back and I can say, they did the right thing, right? They did the right thing. Because it's our friendships and the people that you put around yourself that will either make your life better or they'll make your life worse. Friendships are not static, right? Like we all have those friends that you haven't seen in eight or 10 months and you see them and then you hang out and you're like, oh, it's just like old times, right? But friendships aren't static. They're, they're either helping you grow and they're either, you know, pushing you up or they're pulling you down. They're either nudging you along in the right path and, and helping you achieve those goals that you've set out to achieve or they're bringing you down. They're pulling you down. And if you think, if you've been a journey for any length of time, it's, it's no secret. We're huge uh, supporters and, and we push small groups. Um, Jim says, you know, we'd rather see you in circles than rows. You're in a row today. If you're in a small group, that's where we ultimately really want you to be. We want you to be here on Sundays because it'd be kind of boring if you weren't. But we really value small groups because we believe what we preach. Like, that's a real thing. We believe this stuff. And we want you to, be, to place yourself and surround yourself with people who have higher goals, who want to see you achieve those goals, who believe the same things as you, who want to encourage you and love you and see you succeed in life. Because a friend who doesn't value their life, it's, they're not going to value yours. So as we close here, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who's your, who's your close-knit group? Are they helping you kind of move forward? Or are they pulling you down? Are they helping you to make wise decisions? Or are you constantly dodging shrapnel, just being around them? Do you have anyone in your life? That's something that we haven't even talked about. But are, there, are you kind of a loner? Do you not have anybody that you would call a friend? That's not good either. We need to be surrounding ourselves with people that we can say that we walk with them, we become wiser just by being with them. So I, I encourage you, establish some guardrails. We got like three or four more weeks of this. There's some important uh, information coming up, um, practical stuff that we think is valuable for everybody. So I promise you that if you start to put some of these guardrails in your life, you're going to be happy that you did. But if you don't, there's a good chance that you'll wish that you had. All right? So before we go, I'm just going to pray for you guys real quick. God, we just, we come before you and we just thank you for for this group of people that you've placed in our lives. We pray that you help us to think, um, think long and hard about our lives and our relationships and the people that we have around us. I pray that you give us wisdom, God, to, to approach them with a heavenly mindset. 
to, to say, is this helping or is this taking away from my life, God? Just pray that if anyone has questions, that they'll seek you with that or seek one of us. We love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name.